welcome everyone to another episode of Behind the Human. I'm your host, Mark Champagne, and it's my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. Today, we've got a little bit of a different format, maybe not format, but flavor to the show, I'd say. And we're kind of going behind the project. And I've got two stunning human beings on the line with me or on the show. And uh, the reason for this is because I think the topic of what we're going to be speaking about music and how it affects uh, all of our lives day in and day out, whether we realize it or not, is of incredible significance and importance. So just providing that that caveat up front that we're kind of like behind the project. With, with that being said, the two remarkable humans on the line. Uh, well, first, we've got Anna Gabriel, who is a photographer and video director. She has recently created a portrait series called Eyed, featuring an intimate glimpse into the eyes of Lou Reed, Tom Petty, Paul Simon, and Johnny Depp. I mean, there's a whole list here. It goes on and on and on. Uh, she has been directing music videos for many years and has directed a documentary and two live concert films for her father, Peter Gabriel. Full bios in the uh, show notes because I could go on with both of these amazing people. Then we've got Michael Herman, who is Reverberation's co-founding partner. After having spent three decades building content, brand strategy, and business development for cultural titans, including Notorious B.I.G., Roberto Clements Estate, Julius Irving Brand, and many more as well. He went on to engineer a world-class brain brand. It's all in your head, including partnerships with Time, WebMD, Seth Rogen's Hilarity for Charity, and many others, and has been recently appointed to the Fast Company's Impact Council. So welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Great to be here. So we're here. We're coming together. I've got this stunning book called Reverberation, Do Everything Better with Music. And that is one of the connection points, I believe, with the two of you. I'm just curious, how, how did you two come together? How did, how did it all begin? So, well, <laughs> Anna, it's funny. Um, I had, uh, my company had a, a, an office in the Flatiron in New York City for many, many years. And we had some subletters. I don't know, I had a, like 15 years ago almost. Yes. And one of those subletters just like invited me out for an evening uh, at Soho House here in New York. And, and uh, one of them was, uh, I don't know, the girlfriend of, of one of the founders who was Anna Gabriel's roommate at college. So I don't know, it was all convoluted. But anyway, Anna and I, and a bunch of people had drinks at Soho House. I think it was 2009. And we stayed uh, acquaintances, uh, Facebook friends, which is, I guess, you know, slang for acquaintance these days. <laughs> and then when, um, you know, I had always kept an eye on Anna's work, even just through social media and everything, and uh, a, a big fan. And when we decided that um, we wanted to sort of make the move from like just working on the general brain communication to more um, specifically the impact of everyday music on our brains, um, Anna was an obvious person for me to reach out to, not only because of her own personal artistry, but um, having been a very, very long time and ardent fan of her, of her father's Peter, who was also a a science nut and has been for a very, very long time. And going back to his early days in the seventies with Genesis, when he was fronting the band and, you know, was trying to create music from brainwaves and the tech wasn't just, wasn't, it just wasn't there at the time. 
but certainly having to keep kept an eye on Peter's career and some of his interests. So um, uh, Peter and Anna and I decided to join forces about three years ago to create a media studio around the impact of using our everyday music on our brains. And what we wanted to do was, I think we all felt that music is going to be a very important part of wellness moving forward. And I think when we started to do this, especially even though it was only a few years ago, there are a lot of companies, especially on the tech side, that are putting out a lot of wonderful apps and mm-hmm. um, there are scientists writing books. But like, I think for us who were, um, who were just kind of everyday average non-scientists, but understood like the impact of brain science coming our way through the zeitgeist at full speed, I think we wanted to figure out a way... Uh, how can we put all of our resources together, the scientific resources, the musical resources, the media and creative resources, and how can we put together projects that would help any of us not only help to understand like putting music to use um, and what those effects could be, but why you should do it and how you should do it. So we are in the process of creating several projects and our I'll let Anna talk to you about uh, the book release a little bit, um, which was our first, the studio's first project. Yeah, the the book was our sort of where we started. We wanted to really um, uh, put something out there first that was uh, almost a user's guide to reverberation to music and how you can use it in your everyday life in a very simple, basic way that translates with the with all the science behind it, but that can you know reach people, uh, everyday people who don't know, you know, aren't yeah. on neuroscientists. And do it in a humorous and fun and visual way. So, um, you know, we we pulled together our resources and and Keith Blanchard, who wrote the book, um, he is uh, he. I mean, Michael, you maybe you could talk a bit about his background. He he he's a Keith, Keith, Keith is a he's an Ivy League humorist. So you think about somebody's okay. voice that would be similar. I, I hope he appreciates that. This these are the comps, but like John Stewart. John Oliver, those kinds of, you know, those kinds of humorous, very dry, very funny, very smart, and, you know, has a voice where you feel smart reading it, but you don't have to be smart to read it. Mm. Yeah. And then we got some um, some great artists involved in the book as well um, to do, like, you know, the chapter heads for the book. and make, So we, we separated the book into chapters of, you know, such as, like, uh, relax, um, become, all those sort of everyday things that that you could use music for um and they're all like color coded in a different way so you can easily pick up the book and flip to a certain chapter and say oh you know i want to know about how music works with my sleep or i want to energize or i want to connect with people all those different things um and you can quickly get to that place in the book and we want it to be you know something that you could carry around and not just sit on the shelf and and be very usable um so it's really, you know, it's we're very happy to finally have it out there. And uh, it's really going to be the DNA to many projects to come um, that we have in the works. Well, it's, I mean, having having experienced it over the last uh, week or so, I mean, it really does feel in a way just like, you know, a great band. It takes, you know, uh, it, it takes multiple members kind of. And, and this this book feels like that in that sense with like the artist profiles, the science excuse me, the scientists. Um, and then there's obviously, you know, Keith himself as well, but there's just so many elements that come together in a beautiful way, just like a, you know, a remarkable band that stands the test of time to deliver something of impact that can shift you. 
right? Thank you. That, yeah, I mean, look, we, we did our best. Um, so I think I'll speak for Ad in saying the fun part for us, or one of the, the fun parts for us is, uh, I think we interviewed uh, just over a dozen music, prominent musical artists, and, and Ada and I did those interviews for the book, and basically mm. allowing the artists to just to speak freely about the impact of music on their lives doing various things. And, you know, we got to speak to David Byrne and Questlove and Sheila E and Mick Fleetwood and, you know, and, and Laurie Anderson and Hans Zimmer. So there are profiles on all of them about how they're engaging in music and how they think that their role in music affects their fans and, and yeah. where inspiration comes from. It's, it's, it was a lot of fun. And then on the other side of that coin, you know, we wanted to make sure that, you know, no one is questioning the type of information that we're putting in. And we interviewed for the book um, 24 of the most pioneering neuroscientists in the world from every major research university that we had um, that we had come across. So, you know, as you said, you know, we tried to we tried to really just put ourselves in the places of our readers, you know, and tried to figure out how do we make this as accessible and useful as possible. And then hopefully people think that we did a good enough job to give them a head start on this journey. Yeah. And I'm curious, um, just having, I mean, we've all grown up obviously with music, but you, you were very much, you know, growing up with, with music, given, uh, everything that, uh, your, your family has put out there. And there's a line I wanted to ask you about, there's a line in the back of the book and, and both of you, frankly, but it says music is a universal human experience that has been with us since the dawn of humanity. It shapes our thoughts, feelings, and experiences all day long. I'm curious, do you remember when you you came to that realization for yourself? Like, is there a personal moment of where you like actually felt that? Maybe you didn't have those words, but it was like, whoa, there's there's something bigger here. Well, I think we I think we all do in a certain way when we listen to music. There's there's a, a feeling that you feel and you don't necessarily know why and how you're feeling it and why it's changing you, but you know, I'm a big believer in, I think, you know, we all have cells that vibrate in our bodies and, and in a bigger sense, a more spiritual sense that we are literally affected by vibrations, by sounds um, in a, you know, in a huge way, in a universal sense. And also there's, you know, there's theories on, on you know, this, the planets making sounds and, and yeah. just in general. But I think, um, you know, we, we, or feel it to a certain degree, and it brings us all together as humans, um, and as and other species too. Um, but I think you know, for me, I I don't. I mean, music has always, you know, obviously, it's, I've always been around it. Although, ironically, which I laugh about, we actually never listened to much music at home. Oh wow! <laughs> um, that I think for my dad, you know, it was much more like it was work, and he'd come home and turn off work. You know, it was yeah. it, you would be more silent. Um, and I think there's also you know a power to silence as well. Um, but what I do remember from a very young age is, is there's, uh, he used to play the piano at home. He'd come home and he'd play the piano when we were going to sleep or asleep and lying in bed. And, and um, now to this day, um, you know, I'm married to a musician and uh, he does the same thing. He plays the piano at nighttime and it puts me straight. Huh. Wow. But I think it's because, you know, you have that memory and, and music takes you to those places and, and can affect you very strongly for those, you know, um, for the, with the memory or for the, you know, places that it takes you in your brain. Because music, like smell, you know, goes beyond the frontal cortex right to where you're feeling. And so you, uh, you skip any reasoning and you Im immediately mm -hmm. feel it. 
Um, well, it's, it's like I have a, I have two kids, but one is the youngest is 17 months now. And he's just really starting. Like he can't even speak at this point. But as soon as we put music on, it's like, bam, like there's, he's bobbing and like feeling it. And I just, I, like, I just so desperately want to know what's going on in his mind. Like, is like, what is he really hearing and, and what's, you know, and, and how, how will that translate later in life? Like, so I'm just fascinated with these, these moments um, of, cause I know for myself, like I, I remember the, one of the first concerts I was at, it was the first time you have that like group feel of being just immersed in the music. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think, wow, this is, I like, I need more of this. And then even now, if I put it on headphones on, I feel like feel like it's evolving as my life's getting a little bit deeper and deeper, and especially given a lot of the work that I do. But it's it's not putting music on to multitask, but more so just to literally sit there and listen to it and feel it. And there's that that's a whole other you know realm that opens up. That's you know it's just beautiful. Michael, what about you? What was what was that moment for you? Yeah, and I, I'll. I- Good segue. Thank you for teeing that up for me. Uh, you know, for me, um, I I think I came out of the womb just anxious, like literally just like okay. vibrating. And that, you know, certainly has led to the my own Michigas in life. But um, just being particularly anxious in certain situations, I think, um, I think especially when I was in my young 20s, I started, if I was having, frankly, if I were having an anxiety attack in some of some sense, I learned trial and error, but I learned that um, certain particular songs were having a very profound physiological effect on me. Mm. And it would take me from a very anxious state, frankly, to certainly a lesser anxious state where I could still be anxious, but not having to be anxiously acute in that moment um, during an attack. And it, it just, you know, I, I think also like Anna, I've gone to sleep to music every night since I was probably, you know, eight. And I think you realize it's magical somehow without having giving it all the thought as to why. Yeah. I, I think, again, a, a, a big reason having these kind of, you know, real life, real time realizations about like that music is helping me in some way. I think that we just wanted to know why. And I think that Anna and I and, and Peter and, and our team just sort of put it, I think we're trying to put ourselves in real life positions, not only for your everyday anxiety and sleep, but things that are even um, more serious, if you will. Um, you know, we're doing work around Alzheimer's and caregiving and around um, uh, around PTSD and, and autism. So we have a very serious side where we're exploring musical interventions in various capacities, whether those are, you know, museums, digital platforms, educational platforms, television shows. So we're trying to we're trying to figure out how we would want to learn to make it engaging and entertaining enough where you can take almost every meaningful experience in life and use that music as a tool. So the more that we can edify ourselves and ask the questions to ourselves and answer them in, in meaningful ways and creating projects with some of these best in class partnerships that we have, I think that, you know, we hope that we're going to put something into the universe that people can really not without even changing habits, just changing the understanding of how they're listening to music, when to listen to music, how they should. Yeah. Hello, friends. Given you're here, I'm making the assumption that you're motivated to be mentally fit. 
So with that in mind, I want to let you know about the Better Questions newsletter, which publishes once or twice a month, providing all of us the opportunity to slow down, think, and ask better questions. As you know, quality questions are my thing, and this is an opportunity to share the prompts I've studied and curated to help our minds be healthier, clearer, more intentional, and expand our mental capacity. You can sign up over at BehindTheHuman.com slash newsletter, which will also give you a preview of my debut book, Personal Socrates. That's BehindTheHuman.com slash newsletter. Now back to the show. Yeah, it's these subtle perspective shifts. That's what, that's, at least that's, you know, on the surface what I got out of the book really quickly. Just these quick, I was telling you, you both before we hit record, just leveraging you know, I've always appreciated classical music, but then being more intentional with, you know, I had a writing project that I was working on that, you know, in the book, again, if you want to fire up some more creativity and whatnot and to put on, you know, classical music. And like, you couldn't, you can't get any more practical than that. And then of course, you know, for, to, to stimulate other moods and whatnot, there are other, you know, uh, genres of, of music that you can tap into. I'm curious, like for, for you two, What, like, what were some of the things that surprised you about the project or some of the practical uh, applications that maybe you're using now, personally? I can uh, say that one thing that we learned <laughs> often, Michael's smiling because he probably <laughs> the same thing. There was, uh, there's a woman that we've been working with at, at Berkeley School of Music. She's, um, her name's Joy Allen. She's head of the uh, music therapy department. And she um, she told us one point on the phone that the there's a thing called the ISO principle, which is like, for example, when you are feeling very angry, you want to play music that's at your level first. So you want to play the angry music that that you, makes you feel angry and then slowly bring it down from there to a place oh. of calmness instead of going straight to the calm. Uh, it's a way that it works within the brain. So that we thought was fascinating, something I never knew before. Yeah. Yeah, and that works both ways. So if you want to even sort of juice yourself up, um, you know, start, as Anna said, just starting where you are emotionally and basically that gradual playlist to get where you want to be. I think we started talking about that. Uh, Dr. Allen is in, uh, she's in, in Boston at Berkeley, as Anna said. And, you know, I think, I think that we asked her a question like, okay, so when you're getting on the tee to go home, and you've just had a terrible day with students and bureaucracy and everything that happens. Like, are you just throwing on like James Taylor and you just to calm yourself down? And she's like, you know, no way, Jose, I'm going right into Metallica, you know, and ultimately I'll bring my way down yeah. to that calming music. And it was, I think we all kind of looked at each other and we're like, wow, that's, that's, that's science at work. That's really cool. And there, I think it just helped reinforce that there's more to this than meets the eye. And then if we can create some cool stuff to help demonstrate this kind of usage, we all win. Well, I was going to say, like, what immediately comes to mind is just this huge opportunity on to create these curated playlists that are science-backed in a way. Like, I don't, I'm not 100% how, uh, in the know of how all these different algorithms work when you, you know, pick a, a chill playlist, for example, from any of the streaming services, but a way to, like you said, like, you match it up with a use case, like I'm irritated or whatever it is. And there's maybe it's a, a 20 or 30 minute sequence of, of songs that bring you from that point to the desired state. And you remarkable humans license that out to 
<laughs> through those streaming platforms. That would be my my suggestion. But um, yeah, maybe you're already working on that. But I mean, I feel like that right now we can probably create those manually um, <clears throat> through our own preferences and whatnot. But how powerful, Mark? I'll tell you what, though. You know, it's funny because there's we we talk a little bit about this in the book, but there is like here we'll, we'll we'll test you. Do you know what has been rated as the most calming song of all time scientifically i, 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 I scientifically remember verified. This, but i don't remember no it's a song called weightless by a band called marconi union and okay. my favorite part about this um is that there was a, a study done at the university of pennsylvania uh, about 160 people were tested pre pre-surgically um right before they were getting a nerve block and i think they gave half of the people sort of oral sedation and half the people noise canceling headphones and played Marconi unions weightless. And there was almost an indistinguishable level of anxiety going into the next level of surgery to the anesthesia. Half of them having just listened to Marconi unions weightless and half of them taking, you know, a sedative. Yeah. And it just shows like that. It, it, I mean, that was another thing that just really blew me away in the ability to rest and calm the brain through one song. And, you know, I think our goal is to find out how to use not only the classical musics and the soundscapes, but the musics that you've chosen through your life, your soundtrack. And how can we help you go through your soundtrack and be more in, and listen intentionally for purpose and purposefully? And I think... Um, I think that's a lot of what we as the non-scientists, but the question askers are trying to figure out when we're working with all of our uh, scientific partners. Yeah, I love it. Well, I'm excited to see what what's coming next out of the... We are too. Is it the, is it the studio? What's the, what's the whole kind of company? Yes, it's Reverberation Studio. Uh, okay. We call ourselves a media studio, really, but we're, we're doing so many different things. It's it encompasses <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we have, I think we all come from a media background, which is great, right? And, um, you know, we have in development, we have we have a museum in development, we have an AI platform in development, we have a television show and a podcast, we have a giant educational initiative. So you're going to, I mean, again, our goal is just to find the different places where music can have an impact. I mean, you think about the workplace, right? When you know, especially you get those blahs the middle of the day, we're trying to build tools for the workplace that will help us focus better, that will help us help build creative teams more quickly, more dynamically. Um, there are opportunities to build certainly community in the workplace, to build leadership in the workplace through musical interventions. Yeah. And we are building those tools with some best-in-class partners um, to distribute them and and to allow people to, I think, you know, I think what we're trying to do as much as anything is to try not to habit change, right? We want people to be able to maintain their habits, their music listening habits, but to have a different, deeper, more meaningful and practical, pragmatic understanding of how and why they're listening to music. Yeah, um, the intention been, part, I think. Exactly. It's been said that like video game soundtracks in the workplace seem to be the most effective way to increase productivity. And we're, we're digging deep to explore why that is exactly the case. And, um, you know, the more that we learn, the more that we can infuse into these projects that we're building, which, you know, is all very exciting. 
Was there any, like, I mean, you've you interviewed so many people that formed the band of this book, let's say. Um, any interesting, you know, like little nuggets from any of the artists or the scientists that you'd want to draw any attention to? One of the things that um, we interviewed Questlove, and one of the things that Questlove discussed was um, some of the more powerful anthem, uh, an, an, anthemic songs, right? An, anthemic is that um, basically what he was saying is anth anthems have to be authentic, right? You can't, you know, using my words, not his, but you can't fake that funk, right? Yeah, like th they come organically, and and you know, he he noted that you know, especially some people during um, a lot of the Black Lives Matter time were trying to force their way onto the charts through doing so by creating songs that were timely, not necessarily um, the right song at the right time, if you will. And, and he thinks that music takes hold and, you know, the relationship between a song, a movement, community, and a, and a period of time is very organic and authentic. And um, that was something that really resonated with me in particular, just because we're, you know, we've had a rough few years as, mm -hmm. you know, as a society. And, and, you know, I think five, 10 years from now, we'll all take away songs from this time that remind us of the good and the bad. And those are songs that have authentically emerged because they have touched a community in some meaningful way. Hmm. What, what about just like the practical practices let's say or some of the intentionality piece like we talked a little bit about that the kind of lead up or or de-escalation of your mood or whatever it is and there's the, obviously you know the classical music piece that's so far has stuck out with me there's that is there anything else that you've personally implemented since working on this project I've definitely started playing music for my kids to go put them to sleep. <laughs> okay. Um, but for specifically, I mean, I think when you, when like there's things like if you um, are trying to focus some more, for example, don't put m music on with lyrics for one yeah. or music that, or you could use music that you're very familiar with um, because then you're not going to, it's not going to make you take your attention away from what you're doing. It's going to just more slip into the background. Um there's also like, um, you know, slower, the, the beats per minute, like the BPM of a, of a track and, and how you can, you know, sync your heartbeat to it. For example, if you're exercising, you want a higher BPM mm -hmm. or those basic things. So things that we do know as well that, that we just, you know, are not in the forefront of our minds. Um, but I think, uh, and then to relax, you know, I think there's ways to, um, um, I mean, with my kids, for example, I put on, put on music that like lullaby you know there's a whole thing with lullabies too and and why they are the way they are and this i mean for me what's interesting too is the actual tones and um timbre and the and the differences with the you know the details of the music um that can change how you feel and uh lead you to different emotions which is something i think for the some of the musicians we interviewed it was interesting too because as a musician you it's interesting to know those things of how you will, how you can, and how you might affect your audience when you're writing music as well as listening to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Stevie, I, I have Stevie Aoki's page up here, and he's someone that, for, I mean, he's so well known in the, you know, in the EMD space and whatnot, or e, sorry, EDM space. Um, you think like that's just his whole world all the time. That of course there's there's a lot of meditation going on and different 
you know, music for different use cases and whatnot to be able to create at that level as well. You know, one of the fun, one of the part of we we sprinkle the book with some some fun facts, uh, and those were a lot of fun to unearth as we went through the research project uh, process. Like here, reading one is almost one out of five people admitted to saying "I love you" as a result of a song they heard together. Right, so uh, like that's yeah. powerful. Wow, I mean that is you know that is uh, that's an accelerant. So totally. as as our as 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 Keith Blanchard noted, be careful out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I was just, I was um, that thing. Go ahead. Sorry, Michael. No, I, I'm sorry. And I was just going to say, like, just another very simple thing that I've learned that I think is really incredible is that music, um, I think we all kind of know this instinctively, but music making our exercise more efficient. And we, we came across a study where cyclists who are listening to music were 7%. They consume 7% less oxygen while they're working out, which makes them 7% more efficient just from having music on while they were biking. So again, very practical takeaways from just doing something you've already done. Yeah. What were you going to say, Anna? Um, uh, I just lost my train. Did you lose it? Okay. <laughs> if it oh. comes back. One, if I may, Anna, just while you're thinking, one of the things I think is really important that we're, that we're learning and that we've learned um, with Dr. Sai and Ed Boyden um, at MIT, um, how are conducting a study around the fr a frequency, a particular frequency of sound at 40 hertz, which in their studies has um, stopped um, uh, plaque growth from Alzheimer's in mice, mm. which is... I mean, if 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 this turns out to be transferable to humans, then you know, can you imagine if music and sound could be could be the antidote to Alzheimer's plaque growth? I think we're probably still years away from knowing definitively, but some of the studies and the research that is being unearthed right now is it's just incredible. And to think that I feel bad for you know, people my own age who just had these tools in front of them for so long and really sort of not having the understanding of how to use them or yeah. why to use them, when to use them. And, you know, this is pretty exciting that we get to sort of learn on the fly and implement them as we see fit. Yeah, I was going to say also, because I think in the, the last few years, you know, with COVID and, and what we all went through with um, being quite isolated or some people more than others, but um, there's a real sense of connection through music too, which I think is is pretty huge these days, and and also all us being on our devices at home rather than with each other. Um, because I think you know, listening, you I mean you you feel it when you're at a concert with a bunch of people, you know, getting excited listening to music together. But your your heartbeats can sing, and you can actually have physical uh, connections with people through music. Um, and uh, I think you know that's a, a a really important um, fact these days and something that we could all use. Um, and I love the, you know, I think it was David uh, Levinson did a test with a metronome where you, um, he played, um, you had to, two, two people, they had to like tap the rhythm to the metro metronome and see if they got in the same timing or they did it with each other without the metronome and actually with each other, they synced up a lot better than they did with the metronome. Um, oh, wow. And so it's, it's a real powerful tour and the sense of connecting with others too. Yeah. Well, and it's just, again, like, like how you open up the book and how we kind of open the show is just, it's, it's music has been around since essentially the beginning of time and in different, different ways. And it's, it's, it's just really 
pulled together cultures and, and people. And um, it's just this like almost beautiful language that we really don't understand in it for, for so long, which is crazy. And it's um, like, I'm not surprised some of this research is, is, is starting to show some um, positive ben- benefits, especially if you consider we're, you know, we're all energy and, and vibrating in some capacity, like it just, it makes sense. So yeah, I'm hopeful and, and inspired to see, you know, the development of, of A, what, what all of you are doing um, at Reverberation Studio and, and everything else that's, you know, coming down in the ecosystem as well. I'm curious, just in general, for both of you, uh, you know, outside of music, just, just on the, the theme of this show, just like what are some of your non-negotiable mental fitness practices you know, allowing you to be the people you are, whether that's for your art, your work, and and you know, Michael as well. Even just with with some of the anxiety that you've you've had to live with, like what are some things that have been really helpful along the way? Listening to music for starters. Yeah, um, you know, the practical things that I'm now you know involving music now more than I ever have. My my downtime always has music in it. My exercise always has music. Um, when I drive, when I, you know, these, these very practical things, when I'm, when I'm, you know, sitting at home with my fiance, um, I I think there are, there are just, I, I, frankly, I listen to things differently now, not always, but now I just have, I have personally a better sense of where I am in the moment in general, personally, and how I can make myself feel better more energized or more rested or relaxed, um, more focused, sharper. Um, you know, when, when we're working in the office, I, I think that, you know, we, there's always music on, we're always talking about the music. Um, and again, whether it's building community socially or whether it's building community like our, what, what that, um, Anna said, um, physiologically, you know, at a concert when your brain waves are syncing up with, you know, 20,000 people in an arena, like this is the magic. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've, I've done my best to take things that we're learning, like sleeping and focus, um, and just putting a lot of attention into what types of music are doing that. So basically building my toolkit on, a, on an ongoing basis. I mean, outside of music, is there, is there a non-negotiable ritual that you have either in a morning routine or wind down routine that um, helps keep your mind clear or motivates or stimulates primes? One of the things that we're learning and, and that we're going to be exploring deeply is the impact of music when you sing in the shower and what that does to your productivity during the day. And there have been some cursory studies done around how much sharper it makes you and how it, how it rouses you. Um, and we're exploring some projects around demonstrating to people the power of singing in the shower. Are you saying you sing in the shower, Michael? I'm not saying anything. <laughs> no, no, one, no one wants to hear that. I, would, I wouldn't lay that on anybody. Music, I mean, for me, I know I, I meditate. I try and do TM meditation and I also uh, do... Um, uh, breathing breathwork stuff. Um, oh, what what kind? The breathwork's really changed the my... Wim, the Wim Hof. Yeah, I did it this morning. Did yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. I really like... It, it makes a big difference for me, personally. But 
Okay. And what and kind that, of music do you put on, Anna? Like, what what would you put on to do? <laughs> well, I don't. I that those I do in silence. Which, as I said before, there's also the power of silence too. Which I think you know yeah. we we also will talk about in in the stuff we're doing. But um, yeah, music wise, I definitely you know I as Michael said, I'll still use it for the you know the the, the generalizing for, to energize me, to put me to sleep, to focus me. Um, I don't have it on as much at home, although with my children, it's a great connecting tool. Like they will sing along together and, and we'll have those moments um, with each other. Um, that is, that's great with music that you forget. Sometimes I forget when I don't play it, how impactful it can be. And then I'll put it on and be like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mark, what about you? What, what, how do you use music? I mean, it's, it's, always playing for me i think anna like what you're saying uh i've been i've been trying to be a little bit more comfortable in the silence you know because it's i'll just default to having music on all the time because it it does make me feel good but what i've noticed since you know the book is is again that intentionality of of like i would the the i think you mentioned it anna i mean because i you know i'm using different playlists and whatnot and and a lot of those bands and, and artists and the songs are becoming familiar and whatnot. And that, that one point about, well, venturing outside of the familiar and like the benefits that can have and trying to link that up with certain tasks and so forth are, are, are critical. But yeah, I use it, I use it very mood specific. You know, I had a, uh, in the morning, it's, it's usually a lot calmer. The lights are also kind of slowly getting brighter and brighter and whatnot. And that's usually where I'm, I'm doing most of whether it's writing or like strategy work, like deeper work. Mm-hmm. And then before, uh, typically before a podcast interview, and I mean, I did it for this one, I'll, I'll ramp things up and just pick songs that I know that just energize and get me excited and, and so forth. But I like that that kind of like transition thought of, of taking you wh- wherever you're at and slowly, you know, getting there with maybe two, three songs or something like that. Did um, it work for this conversation? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, and I, you know, you don't have to be interviewing someone. I think like anyone out there that, you know, you're delivering a big presentation uh, at work or, um, you know, about to, again, work on whatever project that you have uh, and you want to clear your mind and, and let your mind work some magic, create those connection points as maybe a brand strategist or whatever, whatever your, your role is. Like there's so many beautiful ways. I think we just need to find things that work for us, right? Yeah. Mark, it's a good time for, for people to implement music. There is, um, it, by coincidence, uh, the American Heart Association says that your risk of a heart attack goes up 24% in the week after daylight savings time. Guess what week that is? <laughs> yeah, that's right now. Week. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, you know, be careful out there and, and you know, make sure that you're, you're very aware and music is a tool to really help rouse you and to make you feel better. And, and using those songs that make you feel better is a very real, meaningful, practical tool. It's easy. It's free. You know, like... You know, music is, as we like to discuss, we believe is a human right. And putting that to use is a very powerful tool, you know, generally has very good outcomes. Which can be used in a negative sense too, you know, obviously obviously it has, it's such a powerful toy. It can be used to sort of rouse armies to manipulate you on the shops and to buy things. And, and, well, it can be, you know, used both ways, obviously, but it still shows the power of it. Yeah. 
Well, it reminds me, I, I, I read a lot of Robert Greene's work around power and whatnot. And when you, I remember I first, you know, uh, landed on his books, I was like, wow, do I really want to be this kind of person that's like essentially manipulating just through, you know, the, the words used and so forth. But then it, it switched, like something flipped. And I think he says it in his books, which links to, I think, music. It's better you know what's happening and understand what's going on then you know then you can take obviously a hopefully a more productive and impactful stance on on whether it's music or power or whatever it is um but you know there is something to be said if you kind of just you know stick your head in the sand and you have no idea what's happening you like to your point and you walk into some of these shops and you don't realize what's going on um you know then it kind of like jokes on you right oh yeah we're being manipulated yeah (laughs) i mean I mean, <laughs> Go we ahead, Anna. Interview with Hans Zimmer too, you know, because I think films is one of those places that obviously the soundtrack, yeah. a film with a different soundtrack can be a whole different film. <laughs> For so sure. It really obviously impacts you, your emotions quite intensely though. Yeah. You know, Mark, I, I think we may have forgot to mention that um, Peter Gabriel himself um, wrote the forward, the introduction to the book. And, you know, he talks about... Um, being on stage and breaking his leg. <laughs> and it was just the adrenaline from the music and singing the music that helped him continue until he couldn't. But, yeah. you know, the music was so powerful and he was so deep in the moment that it sort of, um, you know, it was, it was, a, you know, it was anesthesia yeah. in the moment. Um, and uh, it's just, you know, it's, it's just mystical, magical thing that we're trying to unravel right now. It's yeah. really exciting as everything we learn is is really exciting. Well, I feel it. It's, you know, if you approach this from, you know, just a, a curiosity perspective or lens and, and go in, there's just so much unknown, um, which can be very exciting as, as well, right? Just to see what's possible and, you know, going down that ride as well. I mean, for the most part, you just even researching it, like the, the ripple effect of that is, is, is great for, for you individually. I'd love the last question for you just to, to respect your time. Like what, how do you want people to feel after they put this, this book down? I would say they want that to feel knowledgeable, to feel in more in control about how they can do things better in their life. So like the title says is I, I think, you know, if you could understand we all know that we're feeling certain things from from music but we we don't really understand it and understand why um so i think if if we can provide that tool um then you can use it more specifically to get a bit deeper into whatever you need to do yeah well said i yeah i would agree i think we just want to empower people on a very on a very pragmatic useful way and we're doing that by adding art to science and and um and doing our best to find meaningful ways to reach people where they like to consume media, mm-hmm. and um, and as long as uh, as long as they can understand and appreciate the voice of the brand, which is fun and funny and visual, then we think we're off to a good start. Love it. Well, we could definitely continue for for much longer. I mean, um, there's so much in this book, the project, and like I said from the beginning, even just personally with with the two of you um, that you know, our short time together just doesn't give enough uh, to cover all of it. So I highly recommend everyone swing over, pick up the book, um, explore, you know, just stack it with things that you're already doing and have fun with all of this. I'll, I'll of course, put all the links in, in the show notes. And 
I, I suspect this is probably the first of many conversations we'll have, just given uh, all our joint passion in the power of of music. And, and I think the other thing, good, good storytelling and, and helping people along to have some impact and so forth and just help people, uh, you know, just live a, a thriving life like everyone deserves. Amen. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having us, Mark. That was great. Yes, thank you. 